talk about winning in love. All right, that's what we're going to do for this month. Winning is the key in 2023. I want you to turn with, turn with me to 1 John, 1 John, 4th chapter. If you have an iPhone or iPad or whatever you have, or, you know, uh, you, have, you, could, you have the capabilities downloading our app, the Winning Church app, please download it because you will find the scriptures and notes there in our app, okay? The Winning Church app. And while you're there, go ahead and download the Winning Academies app. Yeah, both of them. Put them on your phone, your iPad. Good information, good information. I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be in church today. Are you glad to be here today? Glad to be here. It's good to see your lovely faces. You look wonderful. You look wonderful. Now, listen, let me just say this. I didn't mean nothing about it when I said, you know, all winners stand on your feet and you don't sit down. Some people are not able to stand, so we weren't talking to you. You're not able to stand. You know, you got some health challenges going. But if you do, you would rather, you'd rather stand because you'd rather trade places with the rest of us that are healthy. Amen? So, uh, but, but, but watch this. Your healing is on the way, though. Your healing is on the way. First John, the fourth chapter. I feel unusually just good right about now. So. Uh, First John, uh, fourth chapter, verse seven is where I want to start. And, uh, if you don't have your Bible, you can look for it at the screen. We kind of spoil you now, you know, with all this new technology. They ain't got to bring no Bible. They're going to have it up on the screen. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. Is that what it's saying in your Bible? For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Not through yourself, but through him. Herein is love. Man, they don't mention love so many times. I can't even count it by now. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. See, y'all see that? And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Yeah, yeah. He needed someone to go, go through. We can, we can do it for ourselves. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Oh, my goodness. If God so love <laughs> us, we ought also to love one another. This, this thing, love, is stronger than what you even know. Because if God tells you to love your enemies, What about those that you deem as close to you? 
I don't love them right now. I really don't. So in other words, you got conditional love. Only when it fits you. That's when I'm going to love. I got a question. Can you love people when they get on your nerve? You probably have loved some folk that have gotten on your nerve. And, and the truth of the matter is, you're still loving somebody that you really want to hurt them right about now, but you know, you got to love them. Let me read on. I see how y'all looking. No man has seen God at any time. Let's get that straight. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. You want to know how God is in you? Because you know how to love. And his love, watch this, is perfected in us. I don't want to talk too long today. But boy, talking about this love is so broad. Man, I tell you, you can just go up many different ways with this love thing. But I'm going to talk from a topic, love, love, love. Say that with me, say it three times. Love, love, and then love some more. When your boss do something that you don't like, your first thought should be love. When your spouse don't do something that you think they should be doing, your first thought should be love. Now look how y'all looking at me now. Love hides all sins. You didn't like that one. James said, love covers a multitude. Who can count a multitude? We can't get past one. Someone wrote, if you love something, you set it free. If it come back, it was and always will be yours. If it never returns, it was never yours to begin with. If we just sit, just sits in the living room and messes up your stuff and eat your food, use your telephone, take your money, never behave as you actually set it free in the first place. You either married it or you gave birth to it. be <laughs> but what are you saying Bishop you stuck with it love 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 there is nothing you can do to stop God loving you
Even when people wrong you or your children are disobedient, you still love them when you give them tough love. This is what our world needs. But the world is often mixed up when it comes to love. When I was a little boy, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a PK and, and my parents, you know, the songwriter said I was on drugs. When I, you know, they drug me to church. They drug me to prayer meeting. They drug me to Bible study. <laughs> they, 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 they drug me to night service. Midweek service. Uh, they, they drug me to children's church. I was just on drugs. <laughs> but my mama wrote a song. I think she wrote that song. I believe she did. She was, she was good at writing songs. And she was telling me, get on up there and sing that song, boy. Mom, we tired of singing that song. Sing that song. And the song says, You got to love your mother. You got to love your father. You got to love your brother. And every man in God, every man in God, love. right now, but you know, y'all done moved me out on another two songs. <laughs> and so we got the topic today, love, love, love. You got to love everybody, every man in God, you got to love everybody. I don't care where they come from, their background, who they connected to. We are all God's children, precious in his sight. No matter where we come from. As quiet as it's kept, we're all kinfolk. Now some of y'all might deep, deep, way down the line relatives. But if we kept tracing, we're going to go back to Adam and Eve. That's assuming that you believe in creation. Right? Not in Darwinism. Hallelujah. So you got to love everybody. I don't care where they come from. And, and please don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but we are shaped by our environments. We are shaped by our upbringings. We are shaped by who we lend our ear to. 
And when we are born, our ears are automatically tied to our mother and our fathers. So the first people that start speaking into our lives are our parents. And a lot of things that we are dealing with now, it was learned behavior. Until God got a hold of you, until God changed your life, until you got Christ on the inside of you, you were on your way believing all of the stuff that people put in your ear. Some of us thought that we were inferior. Some thought that we were superior. Some thought that people were beneath us. Some thought that we were above others. You were thinking what you were thinking because you were shaped by what you was taught. And that's why you, when you come to Christ, you got to relearn. You got to get reshaped. You got to get renewed. You got to get revived. You got to get restored. You got to be, man, you got to be changed all over from the inside out. And when you get Christ in your life, you can love anybody. See, when you come to Christ, Look like he gives you a different set of eyes. Because you don't look with these physical eyes. You look from the eyes that are on the inside, which is Jesus. And you see people for who they really are. They are a soul that needed to be saved. They only doing what their sin nature has already taught them to do. But once they get Christ nature. Y'all don't want no good teaching today. You don't want no good teaching. You get Christ nature, you can hug people, you can sit beside them. You can love on them, you can talk to them about their, their children, their grandchildren, everybody else. Hallelujah. Ain't no, you know, no bells and whistles going off, you know, none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. See, our society has messed it up. Think about it, think about it. Everything that's created is created to divide us. Think about that for a moment. Because if we were... Uh, majoring in on love, we wouldn't have the problems that we have now. Everything is made to divide us. And it starts back when, when things got out of hand. Don't you know, even back in Genesis, when things got messed up, and these people called themselves going to build a tower of Babel to heaven, God had to come and bring confusion so that they would not, you know, do what they really wanted to do. And they only got locked at because they got further away from God. Because if they had any sense, they would have known that God was right there in them. 
How you going to build something somewhere when God is already there? Where y'all going? I'm already here. Everything that man does, he does it in such a way to bring about division. Black History um, moment. I guess it's going to be at the end. But anyway, let me say this. When you deal with politics, think about it for a moment. It's all to bring about division. These folks sit up there and fuss over trillions of dollars on where they should go. And they only do it to win. Some people go into the legal uh, field to get a, be a part of the legal system. It's not for justice. They go in to see how many wins they can have under their belt. Wins mean that you are a good attorney. Wins will cause you to be on the bench or to become the judge. So I don't care whether you're guilty or not. I got to win. So in that case, there are going to be some haves and have-nots. Because whoever pays me well, I'm going to fight real good for them. But what if somebody's innocent and they can't pay you? What about your consciousness? What about when you raise your right hand and you say that you are going to do it for justice? Justice goes out the window. I got to get this win. In other words, the system is minus love. There's no love in the system. They've taken love out of politics because they don't care if you are poor and you starve to death. As long as I get my bill passed, I'm all right. Let, let me go. Nah, I'm done. Let me get back to what I'm talking about here. Okay, yeah. When love is not present, all kinds of things start happening. Uh -huh. Tell when that little thought popped in your mind. I'm gonna divorce them. You know why? The love's moved away. The love moved away. Folks start acting out of character, not themselves in a relationship when, move, when, when, when it's minus love. When you love right, love moves into this next word called commitment. So when you commit it, you say, well, if they don't want to love me no more, I done gave my word, so I'm committed. So, but if they leave you, you're no longer under bondage. Now, I did my part. I stayed there and tried to work it out, yada, yada, but didn't want to go. Then, hey, I can't make them stay. 
Hallelujah. But now, you know, when you first went out to the altar, your love was good. Like you just came, you just came down there Prince and I know uh, ooh, tell comes to back here comes to back here comes to back and he's sitting there just yeah come on baby come on down there come on down there come on down there like you just couldn't hardly wait I do he over there oh, sure enough I will They just got all the goo goo eyes and everything, just so in love. And then you check on them in three months. Don't talk to me about that. Ooh, now I got to hold my tongue. What happened in three months? You know, you know, when you, you get, you know, you get into marriage and, and being, you know, as long as I have them, some of the other ones, some longer than me, over 40. We over 40 in marriage. You know, you done, you done learned some things. You learn what battles to try to fight and what battles to leave alone. Because, see, when I'm going in, I already know there's some battles I'm not going to win no matter what I say. And what I do, I'm going to be wrong no matter way. What, 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 whichever way it go, I ain't, ain't going to come out all right. So I got to be thinking. This is an unwinnable battle right here. There's some other ones that I know I can win, but these right here, I, I'm not messing with it. I ain't messing with it. I know y'all wasn't ready for marriage 101, but I'm just trying to help you. That's all. I'm just trying to help you. But no, you want to be Mr. Biggity, you got to win every battle. And you might be winning them by yourself. I don't do good by myself. I like to be with that pretty one right over there sitting there smiling at me. All right, let me, let me go. First and foremost, we must consider what the word of God says about love. Now, let's consider some of these verses. You know, I'm glad y'all got your dance and your shout in early. Romans, I love this word now. Romans 12, verse 19, look what it says. Love must be sincere. You met him and it wasn't even sincere. You met her and it wasn't even sincere. It wasn't serious. It was just something to do. I sent, I sent something out over the uh, social media of uh, Facebook, and I said, for all my single people, don't just date, evaluate. Oh, we're just dating. We're just having fun. You need to be evaluating. How does he act around his friend? How does she act around her friend? How do they act around their parents? Do she talk to her mama like a dog? If she biting the head of her mama and daddy off, brother, you about to get it. 
And you go to, you, you say, well, now, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, what, what her background. And then you go over to her house and, and, and open that closet and see all them brooms in there. Which broom is she riding today? Because she's a shown up witch. She got colorful brooms. She got short brooms. She got long brooms. She got. Now, I'm not talking about your spouse, so look straight ahead. Now, I'm, not, I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. Don't you jump and say, that's my house. Bring it back, my. No, don't do that. 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 Because, you know, you need to know that love's got to be sincere. And, you know, every dog knows the foot that kicked him in the hand that fed him. And you know, you don't have to read nobody's mind. You're not a mind reader anyway. But if you watch them long enough, you'll know what's going on. Watch them long enough. You say, mm, something going on. They ain't happy. Because most women can't wear it too good. You know what I'm saying? He acting like he all that. They just sitting there just, mm. That's why when I'm preaching, I have to look over at my wife and make sure she's looking right. Because she ain't looking right. Y'all trying to read her. Say, oh, Bishop ain't doing what he talking about. See, y'all think y'all slick. Y'all be trying to read her, read me through her. Yeah, y'all ain't slick. So I got to do right at the house. So when I start talking about this, I can't be a hypocrite. You understand what I'm saying? I can't be no hypocrite. I'm up here talking this, and, 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 like, and she's like, ah, well. I say, oh, Lord. Huh? Amen. You know, it's never the first lady's fault. It's always, the, you know, pastor's fault, you know. For love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Here's a, good, here's a time where you can hate. You can hate evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. There it is. You got to honor others above yourself. Other words, what he's trying to tell us is we got to become unselfish. It's not about you all the time. Matter of fact, you shouldn't even make it about you none of the time because as you sow, you reap. If you give it out, it's coming back to you. And it'll come back to you multiplied. Press down, shake it together, and run it over. I know my wife loved me. Because I sure enough love her. Hallelujah. And my wife, she know I love her. Because she sure enough loved me. See, I give it out, and it come back multiplied. See, a woman is a helpmeet. She's created for, her, for when she receives it, she's going to give it back better than what you gave it to her. It always come back multiplied. 
So whatever you're doing, she's going to outdo you when you give it to her. So if you're cursing her out, even if she wasn't a cursor, she's going to outcurse you. Because she know how to multiply stuff. You give her a house, she give you a home. You give her your seed, she give you children. You understand what I'm saying? So it's gonna come. And I don't care what, how many degrees you got, brother, you just can't outthink a woman that's thinking. And you think you something. She way ahead of you. She made you make you think you think you you See, that's all you got to do is stroke our egos. Say, baby, you doing it. Yeah, I'm not doing it, baby. Yeah, you doing it. Go ahead. You the man. My wife said, I'm the man. I'm the man when she said it. <laughs> Honor one another above yourself. Quit thinking about yourself all the time. Get that out your spirit. And you know what? The people that always think about themselves, they're always complaining and whining. So you understand what she's doing to me. You understand how she is. She always trying to play man games. Brother, get you a strong relationship in God. And be the man of God that God called you to be. See, our problem is we worry about what other, everybody else is supposed to be. The Bible says you should be doing this. this, 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 this. No, well, listen, the Bible also says what you're supposed to be doing. You, you just be concerned about what you're supposed to be doing. Because last time I checked, you can't make nobody do anything. You can talk about it all you want. Talk about it till you're blue in the face, whatever. You can't make nobody do nothing. If they're going to do it, God got to, huh? God got to get, in, get involved. So you can pressure somebody and they'll do it in your face, but out of your presence, they're going to go back to doing what they're doing because their heart hadn't changed. So you got to do something over and over again until it become a part of you. See, the reason why a lot of men can't tell their wife, I, I, I love you, is because they don't practice it enough. See, if you practice enough, you'll say it all the time. Well, I, I just ain't with all that mushy stuff, and I'm just not romantic, and, and this and that. Why you tell those lies like that? You only not because you don't want to be. Because if you wanted to be, you could be. You just don't want to go through the work that it takes in order to be. You got to work at things to get better. That may not make you perfect, but it'll make you better. I had, I had one, one, one sister to tell me, she said, you know what, my husband been coming to uh, men talk for about 12, 15, uh, she said, been there. he been coming a long time. And she said, I want to thank you, Bishop, because never has my husband been this good to me until after he'd been at men talk and said, in this last year or so, he has been the most romantic man I ever seen in my life. 
we've been studying, right? We've been studying out of First Lady book, Why Women Ain't Foolish. And so we're trying to find out so that we won't have our wives acting foolish. Because the scripture says that, you know, a foolish woman would tear her house down. But a wise woman would build it up. If you cause your wife to act foolish, you're about to tear down the house. Did somebody even call it out? Proverbs 14, there it is. We can't get some of your honeys to come to me and talk. I don't know what they be doing. I don't know. Hallelujah. I guess they got other better stuff to do than to learn how to treat you better. Now, Bishop, don't be trying to put no pressure on me now. I ain't got no, ain't no pressure. Yeah, that is, that is a challenge. We, we get ready to go into a new study because we're about to finish why women at food. We're going to talk about being a man of God. That's what we're going to talk about, being a man of God. Still, we're still going to talk about other, the same thing that we've been talking about. There ain't going to be no difference. <laughs> so this scripture, this sounds like how brotherly love is supposed to work. Are you devoted to any brother or sister in Christ? Do you honor them above you? Who do you honor above you? I guess that's a good question because I can hear the air conditioning units right about now. Because <laughs> in our society, it tells us to look out for number uno. Get everybody else, you look out for yourself. But the Bible says, no, you esteem others greater or higher than yourself. That's how you're going to make it. That's how you're going to make it to the top. By lifting others up. Isn't that amazing? That don't sound right to the human mind. That sounds ludicrous. What? You mean tell me I got to lift you up in order to go up? And the Bible defines all logic. 1 Corinthians 4 and 17 said, For this reason I'm sending you to Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Paul said, I'm consistent. I teach this all the time. I teach it in every church. And he's coming and he's going to tell you uh, the things that I teach and it's going to be just like I'm teaching it to you. So it's easy to love a faithful brother in Christ, right? Is it not? Anybody that's faithful, it's easy. Oh, I just love them because they're so lovable. It's easier to love a faithful brother than an unfaithful brother. You know, Dr. Wilcoxon, he's getting ready to retire. And uh, he's about 80, getting close to 80 years old. My spiritual father in gospel. Uh, we know Bishop Reed, you know, he passed on his mind spiritual father before that uh, he's been ministering uh, over 50 something years I'm, I'm guessing and is very faithful and consistent in the work that God gave him in, in the preaching that God gave him and he is a 
good student and preacher of the word. He does his homework. He calls uh, on his people. He ministers uh, to his people faithfully. And it's very easy for me to love him as a brother. There are some people that are easy to love. We sing the song, the Jesus in me, love the Jesus in you, you're so easy to love. But what if they don't have the Jesus in them? Can you love the devil out of them? Ephesians 5 and 25, y'all know I wasn't going to leave without reading this one. Husband, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You can give without loving, but you can never love without giving. He gave himself for her, the church. And while the church is still messing up, he's still giving himself. See, that's our problem. We don't really want to do the word. We just want to have a, you know, a, a form of godliness, just a sense of, you know, I go to church. No, 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 no. That's, that, that, that's, that's the only little small portion of it. You got to allow this word to get in your heart and you got to actually live it. You even got to get down to the point where Joseph say, though you slay me, yet would I trust you. Why you got your hand like this here? You see me going through, Lord. I got to still trust you. Lord, I know you can step in. I know you can do something about this. I'm dumb. And some of y'all say, well, I'm going through the Job experience. No, you're not. But you say, oh, but, but Lord, you see what they're doing to me. They done to my God. Oh, I lost all my cattle. I done lost my family. I done lost everything. You see what's happening. And you're not going to do anything. I still got to trust you. When I don't understand why things are turning out the way they're turning out in my life, why I don't understand why my husband doing what he's doing and my wife doing what they're doing, I still got to trust God. I don't understand what's going on with my body. I don't understand these headaches that I'm experiencing. I don't understand what's going on in my life. Why my children have to go through that and everybody else's children seem like they're doing good. I don't understand, Lord, why this trial is on me, but I still got to trust you 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 may not understand everything you won't understand everything but I'm here to tell you that you still gotta trust God God I'm headed for divorce don't you know that why am I going through this I go to church every Sunday I pray I read my Bible I fast I do all this and look at my relationship it's tore up from the floor what is going on God I, do you really love me I gotta trust him y'all And I know it don't seem good at the moment, but if, please, if you can understand this, and I know we don't want to wrap our head around it, but the word of God says, it's going to work out for your good. Yeah. 
Now, Lord, I, I can't see what you see, and you talking all that stuff about having faith. You don't know what I'm feeling, Lord. God said, uh-uh, it ain't really about feel. When was the last time I, I ain't read nothing in the Bible about God saying how you feel, then I'm going to act according to how you feel. God don't move off of your feelings. He move off of your obedience. As soon as we get that in our spirit and our mind, that God not working on your feeling, he working on your obedience. While I'm feeling the pain, while I'm feeling the agony, while I'm going through, I got to cry tears at night. I'm drinking tears for water. Every time I lay my head down, one tear come from this out of that and drop to the pillow. I, hey, I got to trust God. I don't understand it, God. This flesh is only flesh. God, deal with my inner man. Because my flesh can't take it. But if God be for me, if God be for you, who can be against you? Hallelujah. Can I let you in on something? You got more working for you than against you. Come on, say it with me. I got more working for me than against me. If you can keep that in mind every time you're going through something, I'm telling you, you're going to come out on top. Because you trust God that, hey, this thing may not look good now, but I got tomorrow coming. I mean, don't, listen, it's not the way I would have dealt my hand, but I got to play with the hand that I got. God, I know you. If I know you like I know you, and you told me that it was going to turn out all right, I'm going to praise you even though it don't look right, it don't feel right. I'm still, I still got my praise with me. I'm going I'm going to praise you in the storm. I'm going to praise you when I come out the storm. And I'm going to praise you when I head to another storm. Listen, I'm going to praise God no matter what. I don't want nobody. Nobody can steal my joy. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. I feel my strength every time I come to the house of God. Sometimes you just got to get to the house in order to hear from God. Because everything else is cloudy and noisy where you are. But God, if I can get with somebody that believes the way that I believe and can show Sharpen me because I'm dull right now, but iron sharpens iron. I'm dull right now, but I need somebody to sharpen me. You're not always on your best behavior. You're not always at your strongest. But then he said, let the weak say I'm what? You better watch it now. And then he said, let the poor. If you're rich, you'll never be broke. Think about it for a moment. Hallelujah. Because, see, we get messed up about riches because we got to compare ourselves with other folk. I've seen what folk hate other people and always trying to find something negative with other folk when they have more things and stuff than the other person. Other person ain't got nothing and they always say, jealous. Why are you jealous of that person? Because you got more things and stuff. I come to realize it ain't the things and the stuff. Because things and stuff can't buy that inner joy like somebody got. See, somebody is comfortable with driving a Chevrolet. Somebody, all they got is a Honda. They come in on a Honda and a Mitsubishi too. But hey, as long as I can get from A to B, I'm all right. 
be faithful over a few things. Y'all better, y'all better. If I be faithful of what I got right now, God say he'll bless me with more. So don't you judge my praise because when I get done, I know that my father is going to provide everything I need. Is there anybody here know that they got a God that's a need meter? Come on, shout back at me if you know you got a God that's a need meter. Would you look down the road and tell me that he meets all of my needs? Hallelujah. All of my needs. Not according to what I need, but according to his riches in glory. Because God's riches is more than your riches. Y'all about to make me run around this place. Y'all be seated. Let me get on out of here. Oh, my, I feel so good. Mm. Let me go on here. So it should be obvious that both husband and wife should love one another. And sometimes, however, it's one-sided, you know, or lopsided, if you will. You know, uh, you know, my wife, you know, Veronica, she always, you know, uh, says to me, I, I, I love you, you most. And I say, I love you more. You know, amen. You can, listen, every time you see your spouse, you should always, always have, should have some love talk with them. Watch this. Every time you see your brothers and sisters, when you come together as, you know, we meet like what we do, you should have some love for them. All right, let me help you out. The scripture says you should have a special love for the household of faith. You sit beside somebody, just tell them, say, I'm special. In other words, you should have a special love for me because I'm special. Yeah, you need to have a special love for me. I'm special. I'm in the household of faith. I'm special. Right down through the years, many thing, things have changed, but our love has only grown. Wow. Pretty great when you say that. Where does this kind of love come from? I think we all know the Lord is the author of true love, and this is what our text is all about. And I know I, I took the long route, the scenic route, but uh, let me go ahead and try to wrap it all up. But uh, this text is about love, true love, the real thing. Right? So I want to briefly just give you three things, and uh, you know, because it's a series anyway, so I'll come back and we talk about some more of this love thing. But I want to talk about the charge of love, the creator of love, and the crown of love. All right, number one, the charge of love. You already got your notes, all right? Verse 7 says, dear friends, let us love one another, for the love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Y'all see that? Now, uh, you're my child, kid, and, and you will whether you uh, want to be or not. Did you ever hear those words say, you know, uh, you belong to me no matter what you say, whether you want to be or not, right? You ever heard that when you was a child? Huh? You're going to go to school whether you like it or not. Huh? You're going to clean your pay plate whether you're hungry or not. You ever heard those words? Mm -hmm. You're going to do what I say whether you want to or not. Anybody ever heard those words like that? Mm-hmm. Coercion generally doesn't work well with some people, but when it comes to God's command to love one another, we have more motivation to do it. Now, John 13, 34, look what it says. It says, a new commandment I give you, 
Love one another. Y'all see that? That's a new commandment. He said, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. But this, all men will know that you are my disciples, by this, if you love one another. As I have loved you, he says, I want you to love each other. This is the command, that you love, you give love, you love one another. That's the command. If you love one another, you wouldn't do the things that you do. Can I talk to you marriage people again? If you love each other, you want to be doing secret stuff behind their back. Because, see, we're in an intimate relationship. I need to know you, you need to know me. We need to communicate what we're going to do, when we're going to do, even when we get caught in a jam or whatever the situation may be. We talk to each other because we love each other. I heard the story when Benjamin Franklin wished to interest the people of Philadelphia in the street lighting. He didn't try to persuade them by talking about it. Instead, he hung a beautiful lantern uh, on one of the, the uh, poles, the light long way off and, and, and came under the influence of its friendly glow uh, to uh, when people walked by they would see that glow. And to each one, it seems to say, come along, my friend. Here's a safe place to walk. See that cobblestone sticking out. Don't stumble over it. And I shall be here to help you again tomorrow night, and you should come this way. And it wasn't long before Franklin's friend became placing lights in brackets before their home and soon the entire city awoke to value of the street lighting and took up the matter with interest and enthusiasm. So all it took was one person to be an example of holding up the light, putting the light out there. And before they know anything, the whole street was lit up with lights. What am I trying to tell you? One person was an example. Examples are always a strong motivation for doing the right thing in life. All you need is one example. And it can motivate you. Are you following? And the Lord gives us the best example of all. See, here's the thing. A study wants to disclose that if both mom and dad attend church regularly, 72% of their children remain faithful. Did they put that up on the screen? Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. So if mom and dad attend church regularly, 72% of their children remain faithful. If mom and dad. Alright? If only dad attended, 55% remain faithful. If only mom attended 15%, only remain faithful. If neither attended regularly, only 6% remain faithful. 
so the statistics speaks for themselves. The example of parents and adults is more important than all the efforts of the church and the Sunday school. Your first line of defense for your children remaining faithful to God is mom and daddy. Not the school, not the church. Not the aunties and the uncles. It is the parents. They watch your example first and foremost. You come in here and you get all with the service and say, ooh, child, ooh, and I just, ooh, that winning son, that's just, ooh, that's my son. I, ooh, I just can't wait to get that winning son. God, ooh, it's my winning season, my winning season. My, you can do all that. But you go home and you fight like cats and dogs. That's the kind of example you being in front of your children. And I don't care how young they are. You know how when mom and dad get to fighting, the baby start crying? You done already start setting them up for failure. You think, oh, they're just young. They don't know no better. I hate you. Well, I hate you too. You putting that seed right in that child. Right there while you're doing all that foolishness, you're putting that seed in your child. And if you're pregnant, you're showing up putting it in your child. So you got to change the way you do business. I change the way you do business. When mom and dad is on the same beat, the same page, things turn out a whole lot better. Amen. 72% is a high percentage. Not, you know, there are going to be some that are going to be knuckleheads and, you know. But for the most part, you're going to have some pretty good children to turn out. But if you're doing all this kind of stuff, uh, mama just go to church, dad just go to church, and y'all go home and y'all act like y'all not church. See, that, I, I act like that at church. I act like I'm saved at church. When I go home, I take my salvation coat off and hang it in the closet. Y'all don't need to know what I'm doing. At the house. No, you got to live saved all the days of your life. Then you get on down the line. I don't know what happened to my children. I don't know what happened to Junebug. I don't know what happened to Taisha, Taquisha, and Taquan. Oh, oh, that's how they name their children now. You know what I'm saying? What happened? What happened to names like, you know, Anthony or Billy or Harvey? Huh? What happened to names like John? Huh? What happened to those names? Tony or something, you know? Taekwon and Taquisha. Help me, Holy Ghost. What that mean? Because names have meanings. My name, my name Harvey means strong warrior. Hmm? What's your name mean? You, have you ever looked your name? Go home and look up your name. What? That's the reason why I be acting like that. Why they name me that? All right, let's go on, let's go on, let's go on. And so, you know, likewise, if the parents are loving, and then there is a very good possibility that the children will also be loving. Now, if you to say to your child, do as I say, not as I do, you might not get any action out of them. But Jesus said, 
as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So I doubt seriously if we will ever love exactly like Jesus, but when we demonstrate love to others, we are walking in his step. The charge to love one another, that's the charge. Number two, creation of love. Say that with me, creation of love. Verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, this is a challenge scripture. Why? Because how can anyone fully describe our God who is love? But John is clear. He said, if you don't love, then you don't know God because God is love. And when I say he is the creator of love, that it, 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 it in itself is a poor way of saying it because God is more than just the creator of true love. Now, here's some examples of, of seeing the world through the eyes of a child. The kids say, dear God, this is what Joanne wrote. I would like to know why all the things you said are in red. Another child said, dear God. Is Reverend Cole a friend of yours, or do you just know him through business? Here's another child said, Dear God, did you really mean to do unto others as they do unto you? Because if you did, then I'm going to fix my brother. Here's another child said, Thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. Here's another child wrote said, I bet it is very hard for you to love all of everybody in the world. There are only four people in our family, and I can never do it. See, these are examples of, of a child's view of God. And what's your view of God? What's your view? What's your picture of God? What is he like in your heart and in your mind? I mean... Judge, a weak old man, is that it? Is he a compromising person, a loving father? What is he in your mind? What, how do you view God? Someone wrote these interesting words about God. Say, among the first glimpse we get our God is that of a seeker. In Genesis 3 and 9, it says, Adam, where art thou? And in committing upon this question to his Bible class, the teacher said, you can never be a preacher if you read it as though God was a policeman. Read it as though God were a broken-hearted father looking for a lost child. And so you remember the story of the prodigal son, right? Let me read it for you real quick. Luke 15, verse 11. It's on the screen. I'm going to go fast. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The young one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? 
and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against uh, heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. And so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Do you see God in this picture anywhere? His father is our father. Mark got purse used to tell of the time he overheard one of his children admonishing the other. You must be good or father won't love you. That's what he overheard him say. And calling the boy to him, he said, son, that isn't really true. But you won't love us if we're bad, will you? The boy asked. He said, yes. I will love you whether you are good or bad. Purse explained. But there will be a difference in my love. When you are good, I will love you with a love that makes me glad. And when you are not good, I will love you with a love that hurts me. Did you get that? So this is symbol, a picture of God as revealed in the story of the prodigal son. That's how God loves us. Verse 8 says, wherever does, whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is what? Love. So how do you really describe the words God uh, who is love? I'm not sure there's any way that you can really describe that because God is not the essence of love. He is not the spirit of love. He is not the extreme example of love. He is not the profundication of love. He is not the epitome of love. He is love. Period. And we will know when we come into his brother that God is love. No, they put up a sign uh, months ago all over the city saying, love is love, and they had the rainbow colors there. Why would somebody want to try to steal God's rainbow? That's God's rainbow. And, and people don't understand. When you show the rainbow, what is that saying? I'm not coming by rain the next time, I'm coming by fire. And will that fire consume you? Huh? No, love is not love. God is love. You got it? God is love. So, uh, number three, the crown of love. Say the crown of love. I'm going to do this when I'm done. So, the best of love, the ex excellency of love, the greatest, the highest, the supreme of love. Verse 9 says, this is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his own one son and the only son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10 says, this is love. 
Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Some years ago, a German scientist counted the hairs of different human heads. Can you imagine counting human hair? I don't think I want that job. But he found that they vary in number depending seemingly on the color. Thus, there are more on a head with black hair than red, on brown than black, and on blonde than brown. So the black-haired woman has about 110,000 hairs on her head. And the blonde woman have around 140,000. And so the average woman with a thick head of hair will lose up to 100 hairs a day. Such loss are increased somewhat if the hair is long and become entangled in the brush or the comb, whatever. So, but the average man shaving every day removes a beard about 1 64th inch in length. So this means that between the ages of 20 and 65, he removes 23 feet of beard. Do you not know that God knows every hair on your head? Matthew 10 29 says, Are not the sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of the, your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Did you get that? So an old woman hearing uh, some preachers who dwelt on the doctrine of predestination said, ah, I have long settled that point for if God had not chosen me before I was born, I am sure he would have seen nothing in me to have chosen me afterwards. Man, that's something to think about. Because you know we're a handful in them something. And I think it's true of all of us. There, there was nothing good in us that could or would have caused God to choose us as his children. How could this be? Because this is how we be. We all work in progress. Romans 3 and 10, look what it says. There is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understand, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. According to the law, we should all be doomed. But thank God for God's ultimate plan when he brought Jesus on the scene to give us mercy and grace. We all have turned away from the Lord. But because of who he is, he loves us still. Loves us still. L.B. Myers uh, on God's love. He said, never be afraid of God unless you are sinning against him. Always believe that behind when what you seem difficult and mysterious, mysteri mysterious there is God's heart. As true and tender as the heart of the sweetest, gentlest woman that ever pressed her child to her bosom, 
Nay, all the love in all women's hearts together compared to the love of his heart is as a glowworm's torch compared to the sun at noontime. So God, love is the greatest and the supreme love. Oh, you follow me? So that's why he says in Romans 5 and 8, but God demands or demonstrates, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So don't miss this if you missed everything else. The crown of love is the fact that Christ paid for our sins on the cross. That is the crown of love. There's no greater love than this. Look what it says in verse 11. I'm coming on in now. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also love, ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So since God loves, so should we love. man about to enter the hospital saw two white coated doctors searching through the flower bed. Said, Excuse me, he said, have you lost something? And I said, no, replied one of the doctors. We're doing a heart transplant for an IRS man and we want to find a suitable stone. <laughs> Could it be that our greatest problem in all of life is our heart. Could it be our heart? We, year, we live year after year after year, watch me now, with a bad heart. Oh, correction, with a stony heart. With a hard heart. And how do we do that year after year? Watch this. Not just year after year, first lady, month after month. Let's, let's take it even closer. Day after day. We, gotta, we live with a hard heart, a stony heart. Because a lot of us, we'll raise our hands and say, I won't change, but not be willing to change. Because the only way you're going to get changed is you got to change. And here's the problem, first lady. Most men with their egos, and I know some women too, uh, uh, you know, and I, I, I just... We're we not going to change because we feel like we're right in our attitude. We've been carved that way. We don't rehearse that I'm right and she'll always be wrong. And we've always felt, well, I hear you, I hear you. And some of y'all come to church just like that. And y'all been listening to me about love. Yeah, I hear you, Bishop. I hear you, Bishop. I hear you. And you'll go right back and you do the opposite. That's because you're not willing to change. And you can think you all that. You think you're so good in a bag of chips and everything else. And you say, you know, I help people. I pay. I give money to the poor. I do this. I give that. But you're not, you haven't read 1 Corinthians 13. You could do all of that and have not love and you still nothing. God don't care nothing about your title and what you do, you who you feed and who you give your coat and all of that, and you don't have not love. You don't have anything. And it come to find out that people, 
people that can't love, they don't because they don't love themselves. Love your neighbor as yourself. I understand not why you can't love your neighbor, neighbor, because you don't love you. You think you're you think you're a dirtbag, so everybody else gotta be what? Come on, people. Have I been with you this long teaching you and you haven't changed yet? You haven't changed from this word yet? Nobody can see the change. Jesus in me, if Christ is in you, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Can anybody see something new in you? We still see that old stale self. Old selfish I got to have the last word. I know what I'm talking about. All y'all wrong, I'm right. Well, what about the Bible? Just because I'm teaching it and you don't like me, that ain't got nothing to do with the word. Put, take me out of the picture and go with the word. going to close it out for a minute. So here's my last scripture. I think we got a heart problem. Matthew 12 and 33. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. The root of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good for out of the overflow the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks I got it now Lord the reason why they talk the way they talk is in their heart the reason why they can't change and they keep on doing the same thing is because it's in their heart they need a heart transplant Say like the someone said, created me a clean heart and renew the right spirit in me. When you meet God, he's not going to even care about your titles. Either your two, three nickels, your little money that you think you done saved up. God's not going to ask you about none of that. He will only want to talk to you about you. What kind of person are you minus what you got? Come on, this going let, let, let's just get naked before the Lord. What am I without the house, without the car, without the money, without the clout, without the elder boys, without the oh, he's a jolly good fellow, without all of that? What am I? All of that, without all of that, I want somebody to be able to say, he's a child of God. He's a child of God. Okay, you got the right, you got the right motion. You ain't gonna holler today. 
So we all desperately need a heart transplant. What's wrong with y'all? I ain't gonna crank it up no more. I done did enough cranking. We need the heart of Jesus. And as we acquire it through faith, study, surrender, submission, we will love, love, love just like Jesus did. All I wanted to tell y'all today is let's love, love, love. Things don't happen so good to you, for you, around you, at you, looking at you. We have a little saying at our house, you know, if things are kind of, you know, a little rough around the edge and it's not, you know, you know, it's not really favorable or something like that or somebody doing something out of character, we just look at each other and say, you so sweet. That's our little saying, you so sweet. So sweet. That'll help you right there. Come on, if you, if you sit beside, beside somebody you know, just tell them, say, you so sweet. Now, you, somebody you might not know, don't, they might not gonna want you to say that. But if you buy somebody that know you, you know, just tell them one more time, say, you so sweet. See, some of y'all can't even, you, you, you married, you can't even turn to look at them to tell them they so free. You, you, are you still mad at them? Come on here now. I done did all that preaching of deliverance and you can't even turn to tell your wife and your husband, you so sweet. See, I can do it. You so sweet. Now, all that other stuff that we got to work out, we'll work that out. But right now, you so sweet. You so sweet. Get the fuss and the whatever. Just, just turn over and say, you so sweet. You so sweet. See, when y'all think about this, when y'all start at each other, y'all gonna laugh when y'all want the other one say, you so sweet. Y'all gonna start, y'all gonna bust out laughing. Cause you know what Bishop was saying to me. You so sweet. Huh? And on that note, everybody's standing. Everybody's standing.